Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. So can y'all take just a moment and let's honor the father of this house. I'm so glad to have him back this morning. Come on. Wow. Stop it, stop it, stop it. (laughs) Uh, Wow. I got some really exciting news. We have a baptism this morning. Huh? And we're going to baptize Jaden. The young lady that testified. Wow. Open with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 31. Uh, I don't think it can be over-exaggerated that we're in a time to where you need to be prepped, you need to be prepared, you need to be stronger than you've ever been before. The Bible says, uh, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Because the greater the opposition as it comes, and it will get greater, as it comes it's going to take a greater measure of resistance uh, for you to be able to stand and to be ready and to be prepared. But what's the good news is the darker the night gets, the brighter the light gets. Also, uh, we, we preached um, different places through the week, but I did try to stay up to date with what was going on here. So if you weren't here Wednesday night, you should get that and teach it. He done a great job, Josh did, on teaching on us being the leaven that infiltrates. The, good to see you, girl. Love you. I love you in Jesus' name. I'm going to cry over you. <laughs> it's just good to see your face. Uh, and today my assignment, it's amazing when I'm off preaching like that, we give 110%. When we go into other churches, we don't take it lightly. And I, t- I carry the burden of their church with me before I go. But in the midst of it, it was kind of strange that I had to preach that night and God began to speak to me about this subject, which to me seems elementary, uh, that you are beyond that. Uh, but he just kept speaking and I just kept uh, recording it like I do. When God speaks to me, I record it in my phone. So I've compiled that, and I'm going to bring it here today. And, and then God began to show me why it's so important. Because uh, true salvation is being twisted. And everything calls itself a Christian now. And then that's not the bad part I want to really attack today, is a lot are sitting in churches thinking they're saved. And that's not fair to you. It's not fair to you... Uh, to, to be going through religious motions and not have true salvation. It's too hard for you. It, it's too hard. And God didn't intend that. So today we're just going to try to work the scripture. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't normally preach in the manner that I feel like this is going to go today. Uh, but turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Are y'all still following the virtual revival? It's still going strong. I think we'll be going into week five or six next week. It's seven weeks long, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Some great things are happening there if y'all want to tune in and continue to watch that. 
Are you in the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 31? I'm going to begin in, in verse 31. And this is a prophecy. Uh, Jeremiah is one of the major prophets, and he's fishing to prophesy about a brand new covenant that's coming that's better than the covenant they're living under. So we got an Old Testament man of God prophesying about a New Testament salvation that's coming. Hebrews teaches us that it's a better covenant based upon better promises. So having said that, the Bible says in verse number 31, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand. Somebody shout, by the hand. It's important. In that Old Testament, I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. And my covenant they broke. Although I was a husband to them, said the Lord. He said in 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I'm going to put my laws in their inward parts. I'm going to write it on their hearts. And we'll be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. I want to tell you right now, by the Holy Ghost, He just told me to stop and tell you this. It's not in my sermon, but you need to write down Isaiah 26, 1 through 3. You better write that down. Isaiah 26, 1 through 3 says that in that day, we're going to sing this song, We Have a Strong City. For God has appointed salvation for our walls. I just need to speak to you right now. You are not safe outside the walls of salvation. Your marriage is not safe. Oh, I'm just going to tell it like it is. Amen. Your marriage is not safe. Your, your, your relationships are not safe. Your sanity is not safe. You, you are a sitting, you're exposed to the enemy if you're outside the walls of salvation. So I'm encouraging you, stay in the city. That's a whole other message. The Holy Ghost just wants me to stop and tell you. You're not, why? Because you're exposed to any lie the devil wants to tell you. You're exposed to any temptation he wants to grab you with. And you have no security from that outside of salvation. Not religion, but true salvation is your only protection. I've been saved a hundred years, I believe. I've been saved a hundred years. <laughs> Amen. I've been saved years, but I know my safe zone. And if I was to step outside my safety, I would be exposed to the onslaught of the enemy and to him I am no match. To him you are no match. 
That's why I have to stay in a safe place. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter number 5. In the King James Version Bible. I'm going to do something I never do. And I'm going to do it for clarity. Kobe, are you ready to help me back there? I'm going to, I'm going to do it for clarity. I don't want, yeah, this, wow, he's done got it up in King James. And then I'm going to read it in another translation just for clarity for you. Can I do that? King James Version is, is my go-to. It's, it's my favorite. But, but there's other translations that gives you a little better understanding. And I do want to go ahead and say this to you. If we read from another translation, or if I allow another translation from this pulpit, know that I know that translation. Know that I know its background, and I will never allow or read scriptures that changes the content of the Word of God. So a lot of people have a hard time with other translations, and, and, and even know this, there are some translations that I will not accept a scripture out of over here, that I will overhear. It can never change the content. Okay, so you can feel safe under this leadership that we're not going to allow you to be steered wrong. King James Version, Galatians chapter number 5, verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you'll be okay. That's my translation. <laughs> I'm going to read it again. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Listen to this scripture. For the flesh lust against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. See, that's hard to understand. What that's saying is, if you walk in the Spirit, it will empower you not to fall for the fleshly things you would have done. See there, it's, it's kind of hard. Uh, Kobe, you got me covered on passion there. Hold on just a second. 18, but if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let, let's just read it together now in this translation. And really get this in you. Same, same, same thing just broke down for us to understand. Verse number 16. As you freely and as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. Isn't that a little more wow than James? I'm not hating it. That's my, my translation, King James. Look at this. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder Him from living free within you. Oh, here's what I want you to get. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinders your old self-life from dominating you. Is that, is that a little more amplified for you? Yeah, the Holy... 
<laughs> Thank you, Kobe. It, it, I got to read it again. That offend the Holy Spirit and hinder Him from living free within you. But the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. That's pretty good, isn't it? One more place. Turn with me now to the book of Philippians 2.12. Kobe, take that passion down for a minute. I'm going to do it in the King James Version first. Wherefore, my beloved, as you you have always obeyed, somebody shout obedience. It's important that you stay with me, okay? Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence. He said, you're practicing obedience when I'm watching and when I'm not watching. May I submit to you that true obedience is not even manifested until they're not watching? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Let's read it, Colby. Same scripture. My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I were right there with you. Now, you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in the holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into His presence. 13 is what I'm going to hang my hat on, I think. And God will continually revitalize you. Implanting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. See what I'm saying? God will continually revitalize you. Implanting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. I'm afraid that we have preached an Old Testament gospel in the New Testament covenant. And we have trained you to do outside the will. And we call that good Christianity because I'm doing the right thing even though I don't want to. I'm I'm doing the right thing even though I I don't want to. Jesus said that is the epitome of being a hypocrite. 
He said, you draw nigh me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. Isaiah, in Isaiah, God spoke and said, away with all your sacrifices. I'm tired of all your worship. I'm tired of all the jingling and the jangling of the things that you are doing because your will is not in it. Your heart's not in it. He said, I so hate this old covenant, or I shouldn't say that. God said, I'm so against this old covenant, I'm going to make a brand new covenant, and this one's going to be different. This one is not going to be laws that's written in tables of stone. I'm going to put it in your heart. You're going to have the desire to do it. Today, there's going to be a revival of will. There's going to be a revival of desire. You're doing great. But we're loving little. We're doing great, if you will. And I'm crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. And, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Amen. And I'm going to do it if it hair lips the devil. And God is saying, you missed it. It's me that works in you to revitalize the will and the passion to be able to do it. Who wants to be married to a spouse who said, I'll stay with you, but I don't like it. Uh, shh. Somebody said that out loud. Somebody said, he just described my marriage. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Huh? Y'all stay with you. You want a kiss? Well, there's your kiss. We got to hold hands. Uh, that's the salvation we're presenting today. And God said, I don't want that. Amen. I, I, want, I, don't, I, I don't just want your body. I want your heart. I want your will. I want your desire. Amen. Can I tell you, there's nothing no powerful, more powerful than the human will. You ever hear the old saying, uh, where there's a will, there's a way? The human will is powerful, amen? When you, have, when you have passion for something, you lose all your common sense. When you have the will for something, you lose all common sense. You ain't got the money for it, and you know it. Oh, somebody ought to help me. I know I ain't got the money for it, but I, I want it so bad, and I want it so bad. <laughs> Honey, can we do without eating four days a week so I can? Huh? The will is a powerful thing, amen. And, and even if it's forbidden, amen, or you know it's not logical, there's no common sense in it, that it's really not something you need to do. But if there is a will in you that wants it, you will make it happen contrary to everything that is screaming, no. Am I right about it? Huh? Amen. It'll make you sacrifice things. It'll will. I'm just talking about in the natural. It'll make you give up things, won't it? Amen. Time don't mean nothing if you're passionate about a thing. The will is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. Amen. Matter of fact, if, if you will it strong enough, anything I have to do to get it is reasonable. Huh? To someone else, you may be saying, you are nuts. Oh, but not to you. It's what you want because your will is in it even when your common sense is telling you leave that thing alone. Huh? You know, God put that in a man. There is no, you, you, know, uh, uh, you know, incidents, amen, to where a person's body will live and fight and, and, and endure and go through things that, that's unimaginable. Amen. But the minute they lose the will to live, 
Well, the will is powerful. The minute they lose the will to live. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed how when you've been married for years and years and years and, and you're in your 70s or 60s or 80s and you've been married for years and years and, you're, and you'll just fight to live and fail until you lose your spouse. Have you ever seen that? Have you seen? It's because the will is it's so powerful and that's what I want to talk about today. Amen. It, it'll cause, amen. And when we get the will right in the Christianity, in Christianity, there's no such thing as unreasonable service. There's no such thing as obligational duty anymore because I'm not doing what I have to. I'm doing what I love to do. So God said, Paul, Paul wrote, amen, it's God that works in you to will and to do. And, and the word will, if you take your notes, means will is the power to choose or to prefer. The word will is the power to choose or to prefer. It means to de desire or delight in. The will means to, de de to de desire or to delight in. It means to be inclined to do. It means to have an inclination to perform a certain duty. It means to have an inward desire. Are you following me? Amen. So verse 12 starts off talking about salvation. And then verse 13 defines salvation as having a natural inclination to be obedient to God. Isn't that amazing? When he goes talking about salvation, he talks about obedience. And then he goes in to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And he goes right into that this is what salvation looks like. It's God working in you to will and to do. So what salvation is, is a supernatural inclination to be obedient to God. Isn't that powerful? Amen. Uh, uh, can, I, can I just work this? Amen. It don't matter if I'm in private or if I'm in public. This is what true salvation looks like. That I now, amen, came to an altar or stood in my pew. I repented of my sins. Something supernatural happened in my life. And I was transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Amen. And whether I felt anything or not, amen, true salvation will always produce the same thing and it's an inner inclination to be obedient to God. To be obedient. I've been a teach beyond some people's salvation right now. And if it's not the salvation that you're experiencing, amen, you're being cheated and it's not fair to you. Are you following me? Amen. So actually, salvation is a sixth sense, if you will. It's a sixth sense. It's a, uh, it's a supernatural instinct that comes into your life. It's a supernatural uh, impulse to respond in a certain way. It's a, salvation is an intuitive faculty of awareness outside uh, natural perception. In other words, all of a sudden, because I've been born again, there is another voice in me steering
pointing me in the right direction and giving me the will to desire the right direction. Oh, and, and, and salvation don't stop there. Now, all of a sudden, do I have a sixth sense of what is right and what is wrong? Now, not only do I have an intuitive recognition of what I should do and shouldn't do, I have the desire to do the right, and, 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 and God also is working in me to do that which is right. Oh, I'm talking about what true salvation looks like, Amen. It's, it's, it's not only the desire, but the ability to do what's right. Amen. In other words, I just automatically know what I should do and what I should not do. As it relates to morality and righteousness. And, and the Bible says it's the work of God in me. It's God working in you to will and to do. Amen. This is the work of God. The work of God is to give you an inclination to follow Him. Ain't He good? And what's so powerful about this is you didn't even have the will to come to Jesus. Amen? I mean, there's nothing natural about this thing called salvation. Yeah, I did, Pastor. I woke up one morning and decided, you know what? I got to get right with God. The devil is a liar. <laughs> Amen. That ain't what the Bible says. The Bible says no man can come to me except the Spirit draws him. Amen. Oh, thank God for will. Amen. Because if God hadn't put the will in you, you'd still be on your way to hell. Well, somebody thank God for so great a salvation. No, you didn't decide one day. Yeah, you may have nonchalantly showed up somewhere in church. He said, but you wouldn't have been having the will to turn to me if I hadn't have drawn you. So really, it's the full work of Jesus Christ, not of works lest any man should boast. Is anybody listening to me? It was him that drew you. It's the work of God. And today, we talk a whole lot about our fallen nature. Amen. We talk a whole lot about our fallen nature. The, uh, David said, I was shaped in iniquity and I was conceived in sin. Amen. If you read that in another translation, David said, I was born a sinner with a propensity to do that which is evil. I was born a sinner, amen, with a natural propensity, amen, to do the wrong thing instead of the right thing, amen. And we capitalize a lot on our Adamic nature. But today I want to take it another step further and let you know when you were born again, when you were born the second time, just like the first time you were born with natural tendencies uh, to do the wrong thing, when you're born the second time, you're born with natural propensities to do the right thing. To follow after God. To follow after the righteousness of God. Amen. He said in the book of Romans, uh, uh, Paul was telling them and said, you guys have the law and none of you are fulfilling the law. He said, but these Gentiles got saved. And they are instinctively doing what the law requires. They didn't have anybody following them around saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't touch this, don't touch that. Is anybody with me this morning? Amen. He said they have a sixth sense. They are now instinctively following the law. He said it's the proof that the requirements of the law is written upon their hearts. 
He said it's the proof that something supernatural happened. Amen. This could be one of the most important messages that we'll do this year or is being done in this century is us coming back to the realization of what true salvation really looks like because it's being, the lines are being blurred. Amen. Pastors seem to be confused and people are being confused and we're being told, come to church. Just come to church. Do your Bible study. Do your prayer time. Amen. Is anybody listening to me? Amen. And I'd rather be doing anything than going to church. I'd rather be doing anything than studying my Bible. Y'all can't say nothing. Just look at me. Amen. I'd rather be doing anything than on my knees in prayer. Amen. I'd rather be doing anything else than that which I know that I ought to be doing. God said, this is equivalent to the Old Testament salvation. He said, because back then, I took you by the hand. I took you by the hand, and I drugged you reluctantly across the wilderness. And every time I turned my back, you was doing something else. I grabbed you by the hand, and he said, you couldn't keep my covenant, and I was married to you. So in other words, he was saying, you were, he said, every time I turned my back, you was running around on me with somebody else. I ain't going to use the words them prophets use. They just too nasty. Are you listening to me? Uh, amen. He called it, you've been, you've been playing the harlot. Amen. You've been playing the harlot. Amen. He said, because it wasn't in your heart, but I was bound and determined to get you into your destiny. He said, so I took you by the hand, and it was a constant battle dragging you through a religious experience. I need somebody to help me. Amen. I'm just dragging you through a religious experience. Amen. And, and we have condoned this in the New Testament with, okay, okay, I know you don't want to, but you got to push through your lack of desire. Amen. Read your Bible and study. No, we need to quit fighting all of that and get back on our knees and say, God, I lost something that I really need. Come on, I'm just trying to teach you this morning. I lost something I really need. I didn't lose my Bible study. I didn't lose my church attention. I lost my will. I lost my will. Amen. And, 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 and the Bible says, I just read you out of my text, amen. He said, the flesh lusts against the spirit. And we're always preaching about that flesh that's always desiring things that are unlawful. But that ain't all that scripture says. It says, but there is a spirit in you who lusts against the flesh. There is a spirit in you who has intense cravings for the things of God. There is now a spirit in you who desires to be obedient to God. And somebody shout it with me. It's the work of God. It's God that worketh in you to give you the will and, and the power to be able to do. There's a spirit in you that desires the things of God. It desires to be obedient to God. It desires, amen. And if all of that is absent, Romans says, you don't belong to Jesus. Wow, that got quiet. Oh my God, Pastor, this can't be so. This can't be so. Oh, it is so. I'm probably going to do the whole Romans here in a minute. It is so. He says, if you got a salvation that didn't come with will in it and the power to fulfill it, you got another Jesus. 
And it was another gospel. Amen. And there's another spirit to it. Amen. So I just come to help somebody right now. This ain't about condemnation. This is good news. That oh my God, you mean I wasn't supposed to just go up, amen, shake a preacher's hand or say some little old prayer and go about with these evil propensities? Amen. Absolutely not. He said it's God. It's the work of God giving you the desire to please God. and to do the things of God. You'll never stay committed to anything you don't have a heart for. That's why you're having such a trouble. That's why people have such trouble with Christianity. Because I'm doing something externally that I don't possess internally. Amen. And I just don't have the will or, or the desire. <laughs> he, said, he said, but there's a spirit in you who craves the things of God. My God, you better listen to what I'm teaching right now. You're, uh, can I just be so bold? I'll try to say our instead of your. Amen. Our lack of desire is the proof of the deficit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. Because he's the only thing that desires. Oh, come on now. Let's try to bring balance. Does, salvation does not. Here, I'm going to say it again. Salvation is the restoration of the will, not the eradication of temptation. Can I say that again? Salvation is the restoration of the will, not the eradication of temptation. Or he wouldn't have wrote Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Amen. The flesh is lusting against the spirit. And the spirit has got desires contrary to the flesh. And these are diametrically, diabolically opposed. Amen. Huh? Are you listening to me? And that old flesh is going to fight. Can I get a witness? Or are you so holy you don't have? Amen. The old flesh is going to try to go after natural propensities. Amen. It's fallen nature. But praise God, he didn't leave me without another law in my members called the law of the spirit of life, Jesus. Amen. And, 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 and when that, that spirit man is stronger than my natural man, that will overrides the other will. We see this in the Garden of Gethsemane. Oh, it's the perfect picture. How many times you've been there wrestling with your will and the will of the spirit that is within you? Should I take it? Should I not? Should I watch it? Should I not? Should I say it? Should I not? Oh, come on. Somebody help me right now. It's just real. It's your garden of Gethsemane. Amen. My flesh wants to cuss you out. And the Spirit is saying, give him 20 bucks. Is anybody listening to me? <laughs> the Spirit is saying, bless those that persecute you. Come on, I'm just preaching what's going on in your being. Amen. According to Galatians chapter number 5, verses 16 and 17. Amen. It's the clash of two worlds. It's the clash of two wheels. Amen. One, one wheel is wanting you to think 
bad about yourself. One side of you is wanting you to be a cutter. Amen. Spiritually, one side of you is wanting to fall for insecurities and I'm not good enough and I'm not special enough. But thank God there's another voice in you now because of salvation who says, you're bigger than that. You're better than that. Amen. And while one voice is saying, you can't live without that addiction. There's a new spirit in me now who is saying, greater now is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody shout with me. You're not safe without salvation. Huh? I don't care who you are. I'm trying to preach to you what salvation really looks like. Amen. If, if someone's got to follow you around or if you have to have someone else to be your conscience of what's moral and not, you have not been born again. I got to say that one more time. If I need to call, hey, should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I be involved in this? Should I not watch this? Should I not drink this? Should I not smoke this? Whatever your devil may be. Should I not gossip like this? Should I not talk? Amen. If someone else has to be my conscience, it's because I was never born again. But when I'm born of the Spirit, the Bible said, God goes to work and he's working to will, to give you desires that... And there's multitudes that's not born again. We don't know why God ain't listening to us. We don't know why it's a constant struggle. Amen. It's because we have never, we don't know what true salvation looks like. I don't understand. I say my prayer. I do my Bible study. Are y'all okay? I know this is, this is Christianity 101. Amen. You know, I pay my tithe. I give my little old check. I do this and I do that. Why am I in constant turmoil? Because, amen, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And you'll know it. Oh, can you even preach this kind of stuff? How am I supposed to know, Pastor? How am I, how am I supposed to know, I got to say? Oh, it's going to be easy. I don't even know if y'all believe this message. It's going to be easy to know. You're going to want to do righteous stuff. Huh? Oh, I'm not saying there's not going to be a temptation still pulling here, but all of a sudden, there's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> all of a sudden, amen, I, 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 I really want to love somebody and have compassion for somebody. Amen. In a book I wouldn't give you two cents for before I got saved, all of a sudden becomes interesting to me. Somebody said, you know what? That never happened to me. Can I be so blunt as your pastor to tell you the truth? Then you never got saved. Or this book is a lie. Matter of fact, let me take it just a little bit deeper. So there's multitudes that's been in church for years, got letters in every church that has never been born again. Amen. Even who are walking righteously as it relates to the law. Somebody get a hold of this. Amen. I have trained myself. I know what to do, when to do. I know how to obey. I know what this Bible says. I was raised in it. I know, uh, <laughs> I know how to walk white, right and spit white. Is anybody listening to me? That's an old one there. I don't know if it's a sin to dip anymore. It was when I was coming up. <laughs> or my pastor told me it was. I, can I, <laughs> I remember when I first got saved, I was so passionate 
that I would hear terminology in the church like, wow, the pastor preached hard today. And I would be confused. I didn't know that terminology. I didn't, I didn't know what they were talking about. Because I had such a passion, I didn't care how hard you preached. Are you listening to me? I have such a passion, amen, I would have foolishly given up everything I had. Oh my God, that kind of reminds me of that New Testament church. They had such a passion, they were selling things, giving things up, and giving things away. Is anybody listening to me? Oh my God, there's a difference. If God lets me, I'll preach the message I preached on the road here, and it, it ain't going to be good. Are you listening to me? This salvation, what Christianity 101, was giving up everything they had because they had such a passion for Christ. And we're preaching such a soft gospel that, and, and trying to get people into a kingdom without proper salvation, so it's just a constant battle. You want me to pray now? <laughs> you want me to study now? Is anybody listening to me? When he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who worketh with us. I'm going to make that come alive here in a minute, amen? So in other words, God said, when it's me doing the work and not you living religiously, I'm going to be your will. I'm going to be your power to do, Amen. And though you may find yourself sometimes in the Garden of Gethsemane with an old wheel wanting to go one way, but that will of God is so powerful in your life. And, and, and this is the picture of a strong spirit. That the spirit in Jesus was so much stronger than his flesh that they wrestled. Does your spirit ever have a wrestling match with your flesh? Oh, God, I wish y'all quit lying to me. I wish somebody would help me. I'm going to ask it again. Does your spirit ever get in a fight with your flesh? <laughs> uh, does it ever get in a fight with the flesh? And your flesh is wanting you to be... Can I say it? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Freddie, throw me one in. Uh, when, when your flesh is wanting you to turn left and your spirit is wanting to turn right, Galatians 5, 16 and 17, amen. The flesh is lusting against my spirit and the spirit is desiring against my flesh and these are contrary to one another. Oh, look at the wrestling match in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's wrestling so hard, blood's draining down his face. But according to Philippians 2.13, a strong spirit will always win. Oh, that's what salvation looks like. It don't mean you walk around in a bubble. Amen. And the devil don't throw temptations out there. No, no, no. It don't mean that at all. It don't mean, I'm, I'm, I'm plumb surprised at thoughts that runs through my mind sometimes. Now, Kim, don't look at me like that. Okay, thank you. Does that ever happen to y'all? Huh? I'm talking about unholy. Huh? Help me out. Bill won't say a word. He won't nod. He just stands with a big grin on it. Huh? Yeah. I'm talking about stinking unholy. I'm talking about evil. I don't know why I looked at you like that. I have been drawn right here. Evil. I'm talking evil. Is anybody listening to me? I mean, want to kill something. Oh, come on now. We're going to get real. Huh? 
Amen. I'm telling you. Amen. But thank God. See, that's why you're not safe if you're not a Christian. Because I wouldn't have another voice in me called the voice of the Holy Spirit who has passions and desires that are totally contrary to them. And he said, whoa, 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 back up. Pray for them in the name of Jesus. Love them in the name of Jesus. You ain't safe without this salvation. Huh? Am I, am I helping anybody? Am I showing you what true salvation looks like? Don't turn me off because I'm not preaching your salvation experience. Let it convict you and say, oh my God, this is not God's will for me to live like this. I don't have to fight like this. Amen. This ain't Old Testament. Marriage to Jesus ain't supposed to be a ball and chain. Does anybody listen to me? It ain't supposed to be a ball and chain. Some may write. Some may write. Now I'm understanding, Josh, why the Bible says, work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. And then the next scripture I see it said, for it's God working with you. In other words, it's me and God working together to keep my spirit strong. It's me. Work. How do I work with God? Amen. Well, he gave it to us in Philippians 2, 12, just by being obedient. Huh? Obedience is violent vengeance against disobedience. Can I help you right now? Quit praying for God to deliver you of your disobedience and start obeying, and it's a sword that cuts the head off your disobedience. What? That was too simple. Amen. God said, I want to get the wheel back in salvation. The desire. Because that's where love is generated. Because this is a gospel of love. And listen to this. 1 John 2 says, I'm writing. Are y'all still okay for a few more minutes? I'm going to say some things that's almost going to be shocking all. that there are multitudes in a church somewhere on Sunday morning that when we walk out that door, there'll never be another spiritual inclination to pursue God. And we think we're saved. We think we're saved. Because somebody didn't preach salvation right. Because we hadn't took this Bible and presented it right. Here's another scenario that I see. We'll walk out here, do morning devotionals, Monday through Friday, and don't know how to treat your wife. Let's, let's take it a little further. Do morning devotionals and scratch a religious itch and don't know how to control your mouth. Come on now, can we just get a little further? Huh? What's your pausing? Do morning devotionals, amen, because that's what religious people do, amen. But what I'm studying has no bearing on my character. Oh, I got him, didn't I? Just, I saw her. She looked over and said, Kenny, Kenny, listen up. Wake up. Huh? Got him. I'm getting him. I'm going to get in his closet right now. Hey, listen to me. I'm talking about what true and false salvation is. No wonder the Bible says that multitudes are going to stand before Jesus and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. You knew the church. 
You knew religion. You, you knew de devotion to a Bible you had no heart for. You had devotion to a prayer group that had no heart for. Is anybody listening to me? Amen. So re religion pumps up my prideful self and I'm deceived. Somebody pray for this preacher. Amen. I'm deceived because my heart is a million miles from it. And it, it, don't, it don't expose itself until nobody else is looking and I can't obey. If I can't obey, hmm, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. If I can't walk in obedience, I don't have God working in me. For it is God who is working in you to will and to do. Kobe, give me that scripture in the Passion. That's Philippians 2, 13. And, and as a result... It's, 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 it's a hard life to live. I'm going to say that again. It's a hard life to live because I'm constantly in self-condemnation. Amen. I'm constantly beating myself up. Why? Because there is an inborn disposition in every man because he is the creation of God to do that which is right. Come on, can y'all stay with me a little while? I can show it to you. Paul wrote it very well in the book of Romans chapter number 7. Amen. The book of Romans chapter number 7. Hear me now. Hear me now in life church from your pastor. I know what everybody else I hear is teaching, but I want you to hear from me what I teach. Amen. Romans chapter number 7 is pre-salvation. It's Romans chapter number 7 is Paul explaining to you what it's like to be religious. Huh? I have broke it. I have prayed it. I have studied it. And I keep hearing these preachers preach that Paul lived a life... <laughs> Amen. As a bipolar Christian that loved God one minute and hated God the next. Man, that's an insult to Paul. Can I help you just a minute? Romans chapter number 7. I, I wish I just had the time. Amen. He said, y'all, y'all, I was, I, was, I was the most dedicated of every law abider. I was the most religious. Y'all remember? He said, I persecuted them Christians. I was taught under Gamaliel. I was circumcised on the eighth day. You hear me? I knew, I knew the old covenant. I knew the religious uh, law. I knew God but he had a problem with Jesus and he said you know what he said, it's a miserable life I'm living. Because <laughs> he said, there's something in me that knows I ought to be doing good. Y'all read Romans 7? Amen. It'll confuse you. Amen. He said, but when it comes times to do the good, I can't find the power to do good. He said, matter of fact, I find myself doing the evil that is in me instead of the good that is in me. Is it? My God, I'm describing so many of church members living under a new covenant with the blood of Jesus. Amen. Said, man, I didn't make it through today. I almost made it. Oh my God. I'm preaching what true salvation looks like. Amen. He said, I, and, 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 and it's Romans 7 right at the end. Amanda, he says, who is going to deliver me from this body of death? He said, in other words, religion is like, see back then if you killed a man, they would take that dead body and strap him to your back. And you carried him until he putrefied, until 
all of his disease went into your pores and what you was carrying killed you. And Paul said, that's what religion looks like. He said, I'm carrying this thing and it's killing me. Amen. It's killing me. It's a burden that I was not meant to carry. And he cried out in his religious mindset, Brother Benny, Elder Benny, and said, Who is going to deliver me from this body of death? Amen. But you can't stop in Romans chapter number 7. You got to go to Romans chapter number 8. In verse number 1, he says, Thank God the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the spirit of death that was killing me. I want to say something that might be a little bold, but I'm going to say it. You would be better off to quit religion and just be a sinner. Mm-hmm. I'm in it. You would be better off. You would be safer. You would be more reachable if you knew you were lost. Your marriage would be safer if you quit religion and just be a sinner. Because God said, I'd rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold. But because you stuck in the middle, I can't do a thing with you. Is anybody listening to me? Amen. If you were cold, I might could convict you. If you were hot, I could use you. But you stuck in religion thinking I'm saved. Oh my God, this is getting real, y'all. He said, so I can't do nothing with you? I try to convict you and you say, I'm saved. (laughs) I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm in. I'm accepted. This body of death. (laughs) I got this body of death and it's killing me. It's killing my marriage. It's killing my peace. It's killing my joy. It's killing me. I don't even like me. Because I got just enough Jesus to know I ought to be better, but just enough of the devil to make me bad. Oh, God, is anybody listening to me? So really, this thing's killing me. I'd be better off to run in the... I'd be better off running the world out there saying, I know I ain't living right. I know I ain't saved. I know I ain't right with Jesus. Just trying to tell you what true salvation looks like. And I have had debates with pastors. And we're trying to figure out why does salvation not look like it used to look like when we got saved. We, I'm serious. We're scratching our heads. Said, Something's different. Why ain't salvation looking like a blaspheming Peter saying, crucify me upside down. Why ain't it looking like Paul, a persecutor of the church, who gives his life for Jesus Christ? Where's the conversion and the transformation of the New Testament? Why is there illicit affairs in the church? Why? How can you call yourself a Christian and commit adultery? Come on, somebody help me. How Can I tell you Those two words are diametrically opposed and they cannot exist in the same 
They cannot exist. And if, and if, according to Galatians 5, 16, and 17, or Romans chapter number 2, it says they don't have nobody teaching them what's right and wrong, but their own conscience is saying, don't you do that. And if you do do that, there's such a conviction you can't enjoy what your flesh said do. Boys, anybody listening to me? But because we're so far removed, we create a lifestyle of it. And they're not sorry about it till I get caught. Come on, somebody. I'm just trying to tell you, true salvation will protect you from that. I want to say something as it relates to me and my prior addictions. I done got to the point to where the devil was not my greatest enemy. was my greatest enemy. I had no control of my flesh. So to me, the greatest thing God did for me at salvation, he restored my dignity by giving me my will back. And then I had the dignity to be able to stand between right and wrong and make my choice. Before that, I didn't have a choice. I was a slave to sin. Are y'all getting anything out of this? So Paul said, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And then he went into Romans chapter number 8. There is now therefore no condemnation to them who walk in the spirit and not after the flesh. He said, for the law was weak because it tried to make me be good through my flesh. And it had no power to make me be good. But the law of the Spirit has set me free. What is the law of the Spirit? It's a divine intervention of an almighty God that literally moves into my life and begins to give me a will I did not have before. And not only does he give me the will, Sister Beth, he said he gives me the power to fulfill that will. I need to close, and I'm going to, based on that thought right there, no wonder Hebrews chapter number 10 says, how shall you escape if you neglect this level of salvation? Because when you stand before God, he said, I supplied the drawing, I supplied the desire, and I supplied the power for you to do what's right, and you chose. Depart from me. I need a little guitar player. And because you chose, cast him into the lake of fire. I'm just preaching your Bible. Where there is weeping and there is wailing and there is gnashing of teeth. Can I tell you, I need you to stay with me just a minute. We don't preach like this no more. Can I just help you? Jesus even gave us a glimpse, Josh on what it's going to look like with a rich man just real soft rich man and Lazarus the rich man had every opportunity to follow God but he followed his flesh he did what he wanted to do he hid it he, led in, he lived in disobedience and when he died he went to hell and your Bible says in hell he lifted up his eyes 
and said, Lord, I got brothers that ain't saved. Let me go back and tell them. A man who didn't have time for God, wanted to live in his little private disobedience and follow his own will, has now wanted, he now wants to become an evangelist for Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, if you're going to evangelize, you better do it now. Let me go tell them, because I don't want them, I don't want them to come to this place. I'm tormented in these flames. Send somebody. Just, I'm not asking for a glass of water. I'm telling you what your Bible says. I'm not asking you for a glass of water. Just send someone to touch my tongue. I gotta have some kind of relief. Father Abraham said, I can't do it, sir. You had your opportunity. This morning, I've been told most of my life, never question your salvation. I tell you, that's a lie. I challenge you to hold your salvation up right now to the light of God's word and examine that bully real good. And don't just do it. Do it with trembling. I broke those words down, Josh, and I tried to figure out a way to ease it a little bit that this was some kind of godly awe. Break them down. Have you done it? It means to be literally trembling that I could miss it. Oh, I know you don't hear this kind of preaching. It's in your Bible. Work it out with fear. Oh, my God, my God, I'm saying God's going to understand and God's going to forgive me. Oh, really? You better get with a preacher who ain't looking for popularity and let him tell you the truth. Yeah. Oh, here's the one for you. Open up your own Bible. He said, you better work it out with fear and trembling and get out of this nonchalant. Well, I'm good. They're good. I'm, I'm, I'm as good as them. Or, oh, no, he said, he said, you better work it out, amen, like you're scared to death. You could miss it at any moment. He said, walk circumspectly, not as food. He said, it ought to have you walk in such a straight line. Oh, is anybody listening to me? Why? Because it's my safe place. I'm not safe outside. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this place. Amen. So I'm going to ask you a question that may seem ridiculous for you to answer, but I want to ask you the question, are you really, truly saved? Or are you training your flesh to be a better you? Well, how do I know, Pastor? How do I know? Well, let's stop. Come on, stay with me. I need you to start doing a salvation check. You know, like the doctor will hit your knee, see if you got any reflexes. I need you to ask yourself right now, do I like the Bible? Do I like Jesus? Oh, no, no, I'm asking you some questions. Do I like to pray? Do I like to go to church? And I'm just using external religious things. When nobody's looking, do I like to be obedient? If you can't answer these questions, here's another one good for you. When I step out of the line and blow it, is there an utter conviction that pulls me back in line? If you can't check those, you're on your way to hell. It's, it's not what true salvation looks like. Oh, we don't want nobody to feel guilty. Are you kidding me? The Bible says, when I remember we did this class that night in my house. He said, when I send the Holy Ghost, he's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness. Are you kidding? He come to make you feel guilty. And we got preachers pushing on. Don't, don't, yeah, you're okay. You're okay. I prayed this morning that 
Some of you would be saved, and then some of you get resaved. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.